flour, cheese, baking powder, salt, garlic. At Frederick High School, students take their required math, English, science, and social science classes. But they're also given opportunities to learn about culinary skills, businesses around the community, and paths to careers that they may never have thought about. Every student enrolled at Frederick High School is part of Linking Youth to New Experiences, or LINCS. Through LINCS, students might learn about home buying during one experience or about the police academy in another. One of the things that I love to do is look at what is a current trend in food. I'm Katrina Pereira, and I cover education and religion for the Frederick News Post. So I got to go on one of the LINCS experiences, which was great because I got to see students exactly what they do and how these experiences work. Last week, they had one of their final um, off-campus experiences of the year at Kitchen Studio, and a group of about 13 students got to cook an entire menu uh, prepared by Chef Christine Van Bloom and learn from her how to work in the restaurant industry and just, you know, tips for cooking. When Link started, I love the idea of exposing the kids to different careers that they don't know about. And food is one of those places where everybody thinks restaurants and chefs, but there are so many other opportunities. And I love showing kids all the opportunities outside of that so that they can maybe have a little more um, choice as they think about food and not get pigeonholed into just being a chef in a restaurant. So they were split up into groups and they cooked the entire menu themselves, um, obviously with guidance. And when Link started, I love the idea of exposing the kids to different careers they don't know. But they cooked about, I think it was three or four dishes. And at the end, they got to eat it. So it was really fun for them. Kids are always super singular, right? They're thinking that they can be a pastry chef on the Food Network, or they can work in a restaurant, or they can be on TV anywhere, but especially the Food Network. So one of the things that it's, it's tricky to understand that you can be a journalist in food, that you can own a cooking school, which is kind of the greatest job in the whole world, that you can uh, be a research and development person for a company. You know, you could work for um, helmets, you know, and come up with recipes for their mayonnaises and, and places to use it. And it's just such a broad area but a lot of the kids do have this super singular focus. So it's trying to not just have them have fun by being in the kitchen and being out of school for the day, but really expose them to what is a day in my life like? What are all of the aspects of being a small business owner? They made garlic noodles. They made chicken piccata. They made red lobster style biscuits. And they made Nutella and strawberry crepes. And all within three and a half hours. So when they came in, they sat down. They, uh, Chef Christine, talked through the recipe with them. Um, you know, talked about ingredients, about how to cook in a kitchen, that sort of thing. And then they were kind of off to the races. Um, and you know, they did it in stages and groups. And um, you know, they were guided obviously along the way with each step. And you know, how to saute garlic and how to slice your chicken and you know, the exact measurements to use. Um, but it was great and it smelled really great in there and they were super excited. I want to own my own restaurant and I really love and I enjoy cooking food. Chizoba Amidre is a sophomore at Frederick High School. So Chizoba 
wants to be in the restaurant industry. She wants to run her own restaurant one day, and she said Lynx has really helped her. To kind of explore outside of just being in my home base and coming coming out of coming out to see like what other chefs are doing or other business owners are um, managing their businesses and she really enjoyed the kitchen studio experience because she said she, that she had never cooked any of those dishes before so it was kind of like new and exciting kind of um, learning how to make new recipes um, being with other groups together and like switching together you kind of get to know other people and what they're interested in too so I understand that our superintendent, Terry Albin, was also there. Can you tell us a little bit about what she said about Lynx? So Dr. Albin um, stopped by the kitchen studio, and she was really excited about the program. She was really happy to be there and interact with some of the students and see how Lynx worked. Um, I asked her, you know, is this something that you think could eventually spread to a lot more high schools in Frederick County? And she said, um, Absolutely. She wants to see the first cohort go through and graduate, but it's definitely something on the books for the future. Well, first, I want to start by saying that Lynx is not a program. Um, Lynx is how we do business at Frederick High School. Beth Sands, a Lynx advocate who helps make sure students' education is tailored to their individual needs, joined us today to discuss year two of the program and some of the lessons learned. And there are four main components to Lynx, and Lynx stands for, if people don't know, linking youth to new experiences. And at first people will call it a program, but really it's how we do business. And those four different components are, um, and they're each treated equally, partnerships, advocacy, flexible scheduling, and innovative teaching and learning. So that's the the basic nuts and bolts is the, that four-prong approach. And every student at Frederick High School is a Lynx student, um, so they don't have to apply um, to be a Lynx student. They just, the minute they walk in those doors as freshmen, they are Lynx students. And every student in the building has the ability to take part in any of those four aspects from the partnership experiences, both on campus and off campus, as well as the flexible scheduling, because we offer a different um, schedule plan than other high schools in Frederick County, um, as well as how we do business as far as the innovative teaching and learning and um, the advocacy piece, which begins, you know, in eighth grade. We start visiting students in eighth grade at their middle schools. Very awesome. And so I understand this is a second year? Yes, this is year two. All right. And how do you think it went compared to year one? Well, um, personally, I think uh, we have grown exponentially since um, year one. Uh, year one was extremely successful and it exceeded everything that we thought it would be. Um, and then some originally we thought we'd have maybe one Lynx experience uh, a term and we ended up with far more. Um, you know, I brought um, some statistics here, but you know, we've had 86 off-campus experiences, 143 guest presentations. And again, that just really ties into the partnership piece, but other ways that um, we've grown and become extremely successful with our fifth block courses that uh, flexible scheduling program that we have going as well as um, credit by demonstrated mastery which is part of our innovative teaching and flexible schedules and um, you know the supper program we offer free supper for all of our students starting at 345 um, every day after school anybody could participate that you don't have to participate in the fifth block class but um, I feel that we have grown exponentially and we have including more and more students in the partner experiences getting um, more 
uh, local businesses, colleges, universities involved in our experiences and building those partnerships that have lasted, made lasting impressions on our students. I think we've seen a huge growth um, and it all came from listening to our students because of course Lynx is designed to um, create a personalized learning experience for all students and we listened to what they said after year one and their feedback surveys and have responded accordingly by adding a lot of college visits and things like that. You mentioned that um, after year one, students gave you a lot of feedback right. about what they wanted for year two. Can you go into a little bit more detail? What were some of the changes that they wanted to see? Um, that's a great question. So um, we are constantly accessing feedback, not only from our students, but also our business partners. Um, after every Lynx experience, we survey students as well as our partners about their experience. Um, but we also do a year-end survey that goes out to all the students and asking them not only about the experiences, but, you know, what makes what encourages you to come to school every day and uh, what stands in your way for success. So that's it's not just about the experiences, but also we think about what can we do to get students in the building uh, thinking and learning and being involved and and excited about their education. So that that's part of what we ask them. But with regard to experiences, you know, some of the things that students said they wanted to they wanted more college visits. And um, so we responded accordingly and um, got students visiting um, Johns Hopkins University, Hood College. Um, we went to uh, Shepherd University. We also visited um, Towson and UMBC, the University of Maryland, just to name a couple. So um, that was one thing they said, you know, we want to go see some colleges as early as ninth grade. And just to help them wrap their mind around it, some of our students, you know, they said they apply to college having not even visited the college or university for whatever reason, maybe access to transportation or whatever. And so through those experiences, the feedback we've gotten from them, they've said, you know, I always thought I wanted to go to, you know, fill in the blank school. But after visiting the campus, I've really changed my mind. Um, So they appreciate those opportunities. Also, students um, asked for more experiences in the culinary arts. And so one of the um, really great things that we've done with that, you know, we've partnered with uh, Nico Negus of uh, Roast House Pub, and he came in and did a chopped competition. He also did a guest lecture um, with our commercial foods class in the classroom. So sometimes our partners come in and teach with our teachers. And in that case, he was in uh, the commercial foods program. We sat down and partnered together with the teacher to figure out, you know, what are you doing in your curriculum? You know, okay, well, how can I accompany that? And he gathered some amazing um, donations from places like uh, McCutcheon's and Chris Foley's Cheese Shop. And they, they were so gracious to give us some donations so that the students were able to learn how to make a charcuterie board um, from an expert. You know, their teachers are experts. However, um, they're not necessarily working out in the business. So we did add that and a couple other culinary experiences because they said that, you know, we didn't have enough. And we also increased our partnerships with um, people in the trades. We brought on um, FCPS Maintenance and did a great experience with them seeing all the different fields in, in maintenance. Um, but th- those are some of the things that we, we gathered from the feedback. You know, we develop our um, our different components of links based on student interest. We asked them in eighth grade to fill out a personal story. 
And that's the beginning of the building of their student success plan, which follows them throughout the four years of high school. And we ask them, you know, what are you interested in? What are some of your hopes and dreams? What do you do after school in your spare time? Um, you know, what challenges or successes have you had? And we read the uh, the four advocates. We sit down and we read every one of those personal stories. And we share them with other teachers in the building, their advocacy teacher, um, and that's how we create experiences for them, as well as link them to partners, as well as find um, how they fit into the credit by demonstrated mastery program, as um, as well as that um, making sure we meet their needs, of course. Um, but it builds from there. And then at the end of every year, you know, right now, I'm, that's what I was doing before I came here, working on updating student success plans for my group of students. You know, we break the class up into a quarter. Each of us has a quarter of the freshman class that we work with, and you know we really take a look at their academic progress, their digital progress. What what did they know about um, technology before they came? What do they want to know? Do they want to participate in some online courses? Because um, you know, links we offer a lot of different online courses that other schools do not offer. Um, you know, and we also look at their experiential um, progress. What have they participated in? So. You mentioned the culinary arts, and I actually want to highlight that because mm-hmm. I was very lucky yes. that I, as part of my reporting, I got to go on one of the Lynx experiences yes. last week mm-hmm. at the kitchen studio, and I got to see students learning how to cook an entire menu, learning tips on the restaurant industry and how to be successful from you know a professional chef. Um, so that was really great. Can you talk a little bit more about that experience in particular? Yes. Um, so that experience with um, Chef Christine Van Bloom, the owner of the Kitchen Studio, and Frederick. Um, Chef Van Bloom actually was a teacher in our uh, commercial foods program last year. Um, and she went back to her kitchen studio, which she never really left. Um, but she did a really great program with students, um, both in the fall and again in the spring. So she did this twice um, with our students, where she came in and talked to them about different options of work in the culinary arts. You know, you don't necessarily have to work in a restaurant. You don't have to be a caterer. You know, what can you do? You don't have to own your own um, restaurant. And so she talked to them about different options. You know, even becoming a cookbook writer, and had them explore those. And then part of the process was then they had to prepare a presentation. And so she came back to the school and they had to present to her what their business would be and they had to prepare a menu um, and talk about their inspiration for it. And then they would earn admission into um, her studio to be taught by her. And um, the experience both in the fall as well as the spring, amazing experience. And it was different students in, in both experiences. And uh, just the look on their faces. And I think this is something I even see on our experiences, as well as when I visit the Career Tech Center, CTC, um, to see students doing hands-on activities, engaged, focused, um, we seeing them doing something a little bit different than a traditional classroom and the different skills they take away from that. Also, having them work with people they don't normally work with. You know, they're not necessarily there with their their buddies or their friends, and they're placed in groups. And these are valuable skills. It wasn't just so much the cooking, I, and I think you observed that that day that they learned, but but teamwork, communication, um, that's something that they really take away from that experience. And Chef Ann Bloom is so gracious with her time, her talent, her energy. She's, oh, yeah. She's, she's amazing. And I think students will uh, that attend both of those experiences uh, will never forget it. Yeah. I mean, you know, observing the students and her, she can 
connect with kids, I think, in a way that a lot of people, other people can't. Right. So that was really great to see. And I think we see that in our partner experiences as well as, you know, in 10th grade, um, part of Links, we have mentors that come in from the business community and they come in and do presentations with our 10th grade students. And they, you know, the students really, they, they react differently, I think, to our partners than they do to our teachers. Um, I, I don't know why that is, but, um, you know, our students are wonderful in the classroom, but they're above and beyond and a partner experience. It's something different. And I think that gets them motivated. And, you know, they our partners are able to connect students to, you know, this is what I'm doing in my real world job. This is what you're doing in the classroom. This is how it connects. And again, that all triggers back into the student success and the student success plan. You know, um, we wouldn't have links without the student success plan. When I came to the year-end celebration. Yeah, the partner celebration. Well, mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I talked to a few students and, you know, they told me, they said, through links, I know what I want to do now. I mm-hmm. know, you know, what career, what field Absolutely. I want to go into. Um, so why do you think it's so important to get kids thinking about the future like that so early on? That's a great question um, because a lot of people, uh, you know, and I have students, some, some students on the flip side say, I don't know what I want to do. Don't bother me about this. And, and it's like, well, it's okay. Um, you don't need to know that. But, you know, what about links gets, uh, you know, that's a great question. I think it's the fact that they see so many people invested. Um, they see people uh, caring. Um, they're seen. Um, and I think our students appreciate the time and dedication that we give to that. And it's the exposure. Um, you know, we live in a, an amazing community here. Frederick County is amazing. There's so much to, to offer. And um, sometimes it could be just lack of resources, lack of time. They don't know where to find these options. And so we present options. Um, through all four aspects. You know, here's an option to a different schedule. You know, if you have to be at home and help out the family and you can't come in until second period, you could take a staggered day schedule. Um, if you don't have transportation, we teach them how to use the city bus. We had two different links experiences with transit. Transit was an amazing partner to work with this year. I worked with them very closely to teach uh, students about how to use the city bus. And so many of them didn't know those resources. So, you know, they don't know what they don't know. It's like that that learning theory. Right. I think it, it's it's funny that you say that because one student I spoke with, he said, you know, through links, I learned that I don't need to go off to some big city to live the life that I want to live or achieve the career right. that I want. I have everything right here in Frederick County. And sometimes we tell them it's not even, um, you know, today I just I had a links experience today with one of our um, teachers. Uh, Mr. Cleary came in and talked to students about, you know, his pathway to success, which was not a linear path. And he didn't, he went to college, wasn't exactly successful first off, uh, worked for a long time and found his way to education, found his way to success. And, and then that's okay. And it's okay that you don't go to college, but, but to do something. And we give them those different somethings. You know, those different options. I think that the the different aspects of links gives students options. It gives them um, personalization because every child is unique and we want to make sure that we're meeting those unique need the unique needs of all of our students. 
So what do you see as the future of Lynx going into year three, year four? So as we continue to build every year um, through the first cohort of Lynx, you know, now that our first group that came in last year turning into juniors, you know, the next step is um, accessing our partners and our business professionals on mentorship, uh, apprenticeships, internships. So we're starting to get those juniors ready for those um, types of experiences. So we're just now and this week sending out uh, questionnaires to our partners. You know, are you interested in um, having uh, a student come into job shadow? And so that type of experience is where we see going next into junior and senior year is providing those um, easier access to apprenticeships, job shadow, so that they say, yes, I, th- I think I do want to do this particular job. Well, let's get them into shadow for a day or a week. Um, and or let's get them um, an internship or an apprenticeship where they can really get get in there and see if that's something that they want to do. And, you know, um, I don't think that it's required that students leave high school. I think that's important. I, I try and tell that to students. I think it's not it's not that we we require that, you know, your exact direction, but um, that you just open your mind to options. And I see that happen a lot with students, students that um, when I do student success interviews, their very first month of ninth grade, you know, what are you thinking about for your future? I want to be a cardiothoracic surgeon. Okay, great. What makes you think that? And then um, we take them to meet doctors and we take them into hospitals. And then sometimes they're like, you know what? Maybe I want to go into research science. I know I like uh, science, but I don't know that I want to do that. Or we give them um, pathways to the Career and Tech Center. Say, you know, well, did you know that you can take a biomed med program at CTC? Let's get you the paperwork to shadow. Um, and so I think that's kind of the role of the advocate. You know, we are quite literally their advocate. And we work very closely with them in ninth grade so that they're set up for that success because there's so much research out there that shows, um, you know, waiting till junior year or senior year to talk to young people about um, – plans or hopes and dreams, it's really not not really preferable that, you know, asking them these questions and even just getting them thinking about it, it gives them focus, motivation to to get up every day and, and have a vision, even and, and knowing full well that it's okay that the vision changes. And it seems like through presenting them these options and through kind of talking with them, you really help them identify, okay, what is it exactly about medicine or about, mm-hmm. you know, culinary arts that I really love and I really want to do. Yeah. Why do I want to do this? Do I want to do this because I think I'm going to make a lot of money? Do I want to do this because it's something I feel very passionate about? Um, you know, I think that has happened a lot. You know, we brought a physician in and she did an amazing job um, laying out the educational plan she route she had to take and the cost associated with it and what happens after you know you have to do this then this then this and so for some young people they look at that and think oh I don't know if I want to be in college that long and and that really throws them and conversely you know we visited a toxicology lab last week where here are people working in um, lab research science um, most of which have a bachelor's degree making you know their living doing something they're passionate about that's interesting to them in science. And um, 
they didn't have to do all that education. So we're not saying one is better than the other. And I think that's what it is. It's about the options, but that um, they figure out why. Um, And we hope that at the end of the day, we give our students a why. Why am I getting up, putting my shoes on and getting to the bus on time and sitting in algebra or sitting in English or taking um, a commercial foods class? You know, why am I doing this? And we we as adults know why you're doing it and know that you should do it. But we we hope that what Lynx provides the students at Frederick High School is a why and a vision and and it's something that I feel very passionate about. I, I feel that I have easily the best job in the world. Um, and I feel very blessed to be a part of it. And I think um, the other advocates can say the same as well as the the teaching staff of Frederick High School, that we see such exciting um, learning and um, innovation going on. Um, and it's not just our, our partnerships. I think that's a huge piece, and it's something where – we have such great partnerships, but it's it's all of it. Um, it's all of those options. You know, students being able to take extra classes so that their schedules are freed up for um, open campus senior year or um, internships, things like that. You know, you talk about this program and all the benefits it has. Is this something that you think will just stay to Frederick High School, or do you hope to see this being implemented by other high schools around Frederick County? Um, I think right now it's a little too soon to make that kind of call. I think it's important that we see a class uh, graduate through links and see um, how that all comes to fruition and then make a, make a call as how it could work and how it would benefit um, other students. Obviously, I think all students. Uh, I, I mean, I think there's a, a good reason why I, I love to work at Frederick High and I'm happy that I live in district and my stu- my children will attend Frederick High. I think it's it's great for that. But um, I think any child would benefit from all four components of links. Um, I I think it's a little too soon to say right now. We're still we're still young, you know, year two, still young. I think I'm gonna be really excited to see how the apprenticeship and mentorship program um, and those job shadows start coming coming out in their junior year and senior year. Um, and then I think I think it's something we'll definitely have to pursue once we get through the four years. All right. And not to jump ahead to college, but a lot of times with high school parents are thinking about college. How do you think this links program will help kids get into their dream colleges or the colleges that they're applying to? Um, Great question. So I think it's the business partnerships that we have, Uh, you know, that student success plan is a, a living document and it shows all of the different opportunities these stu- an, an individual student has taken um, through ninth through 12th grade. So for example, um, when they start applying to colleges or even jobs, I would even extend it not just to colleges or universities, but our students that are applying for apprenticeships and jobs in the trades. Oh, so I see here that you participated in a workshop um, at AdTech, um, creating a design with a CAD program. You know, what did you think about that? I think it creates conversations that um, resonate during, say, an interview process. Um, also, when it comes to their ability to write coherent and specific, detailed uh, college essays. Think of the college essay when they say, um, tell me about yourself. I feel like when I've been working with students in the past, they struggle with that, tell me about yourself. And that's a question that's often asked um, during interviews, especially at um, larger 
um, more prestigious universities. And they don't know what to say because they really haven't had a lot of experiences, especially some of our students that um, are from a lower socioeconomic status. They may not have been able to travel or, or see things that people with more um, benefits have. So I think we're providing students the opportunities to say that they've been exposed to things um, and seen things that they're interested in can speak more articulately and specifically about them. You know, when I talk to a, a young man that says, you know, I want to be a carpenter and um, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to do trim work. And I said, okay, well, have you thought about going to CTC and expanding your your abilities in carpentry and and being able to do more than just that. And so I think that's something that would help them down the road to to find those resources. I think that when it comes to the college application process, I make no guarantees that, you know, by participating in Link's experiences and job shadows that it's going to push them above, but I don't see how it's going to hurt them at all. I think, you know, we may be able to offer more opportunities for those internships um, because of our connections. Anything else you think that we should know about the Lynx program? Sorry, uh, not program. Yes. About Lynx. Um, I was just about to say that uh, it's not a program. It's how we do business at Frederick High School. You know, in those four components of advocacy, partnerships, innovative teaching, and flexible scheduling to make a, a personalized learning experience for our students that um, we hope uh, encourages and engages them for a successful future. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming in. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Kate, welcome. Now, can you tell us a little bit about that guitar music we just heard? Yeah, absolutely. So that guitar music was recorded in Carroll Creek Guitars, which is a tiny little guitar shop. Um, it's actually right across the way from McClintock Distilling, so it's kind of tucked and hidden away on Carroll Street. Um, but I visited just because I sort of found that I was – Curious whether Frederick had any musical instrument makers, and it turns out we do. And right now our resident um, guitar makers are two men called Jim Chambly and Jeffrey Miller. And they met back in 2006, but only recently started their own custom guitar shop. Um, And what they're doing is really, really interesting. I mean, not only because the way that they are able to customize guitars, but also they're very striking in appearance just because they're using a lot of like natural East Coast woods and really letting those grains shine through. So it's just a very interesting guitar in the sense that it doesn't have any paint, you know, or, or lacquer or any type of um, coating on it. So their whole goal is to really let that natural wood shine through in the instrument. Very cool. So I have to ask, did you get to hold one of the guitars as well? I mean, I was a little bit afraid to hold one of the guitars because you're talking about instruments that start at like $800. So I didn't want to like break it. <laughs> but um, uh, but I did get a good look at them and it's really, really beautiful. I mean, some of my favorites were um, wood that was actually spalded. So sometimes you get trees that um, they start to die and they begin their natural decay process and then fungi uh, sort of sweeps in and starts filling all those crevices in the wood. Then the tree is cut down and processed and you get this grain pattern that's called spalding where it's kind of like these dark streaky patterns inside the wood. And um, once it's actually cut into lumber, it's really, really beautiful beautiful and you could really see that in the guitars so that was kind of fun to look at and so I'm guessing these both 
um, play music. No, the great irony actually is that Jim is, I mean, Jim's been playing guitar since he was, you know, like in seventh grade, but Jeff actually does not play the guitar. And for years and years and years, he was working at a frame as a frame maker in the same workshop, um, not really making any money off it. He's friends with Jim. And so finally, like, Two or three years ago, Jim comes up to him and he's like, Jeff, are you actually making money off these frames? And Jeff is like, no, I'm not. <laughs> and so then they sort of join forces to build this guitar shop and to make it. And I don't know if they're making a whole lot of money yet. They're doing a lot of like custom orders for friends, but I know that they're hoping to get up there. So, Kate, for our food review this week, where did you get to go? Yes. Um, so, for the review, I went to a bakery that's new called Sage Cakery. It recently opened in Urbana, um, and it o- is opened by a woman named Nikki Bird, who she had kind of a funny backstory because she her story is that she fell in love with cake decorating when she was 18 or 19. And um, then, dis- and then so that's when she kind of fell in love with it. And then, but sort of in the interim, over the next few years, she decided she wanted to get into really into health and wellness and so went to herb school and almost became a registered herbalist so there's kind of this irony where she's making really sugary cakes despite you know having this nagging feeling that she should be giving people healthy stuff to eat but she can't fight it so she opened this cake shop in Urbana um, and maybe it's her herbalist background but she's experimenting with a lot of um, interesting flavors. And uh, what are the flavors that struck out to you? Well, my favorite cupcake, and it was actually probably the fav- my favorite cupcake that I've had in a long time, was a flavor called cardamom pear. Um, and it was really delicious because cardamom is a spice that has it's very it's very warm. You know, you taste it, and I would say that it's sort of reminiscent of cim- cinnamon or cloves in that it gives a sort of like warm wintry feeling. Um, but then. It, it's sort of you, you it's tempered a little bit by the pear and then you have this really you know like flavorful and fragrant spice coming through in the frosting so it was a really good combination I think and since you mentioned that she fell in love with cake decorating were all these cupcakes beautifully decorated um yeah the cupcakes were very I mean it was you know it's kind of hard to get too elaborate on a cupcake but the piping was definitely beautiful and then of course she does custom wedding cakes as well and she does naked cakes you know which I think are still very trendy (laughs) and so just to repeat even though she went to her uh school for herbs herbs yeah she's not a neurologist and she does not make anything healthy well she does she she wants to get into that more um when i visited there was a vegan chai cupcake which i think was sort of her you know um her tribute to that but i think as time goes on she does want to start making some more like healthy baked goods all right and now you've just finished a three-part series i did yes so can you tell us a little bit, I know we talked uh, in previous episodes about the first couple, but can you tell us a little bit of how it wrapped up? Yeah, I guess the point of the series, um, you know, if we're going to be frank about it, was sort of exploring Frederick's credibility as an art town because um, the arts are something that Frederick has hyped for years and years and years. And it's just there's kind of this disconnect um, between what the city is billing itself as, which is like this arts town with this very vibrant scene, and what some residents, artists are feeling, which is that Frederick... Um, is a town that is not currently offering a whole lot of opportunities for local artists. So in the last part of the series, it kind of explored what Frederick is missing. Um, there are some major things. I think it's sort of a two-pronged thing where, A, as of right now, the city just isn't, is investing, isn't investing as much money in the arts as it used to. Um, and that goes for the county, too. For example, the Frederick Arts Council just released this very ambitious master public art plan um, and this current funding cycle the county turned down a request um, that would have raised you know the 
the amount that it gives to the FAC by $100,000, which um, its executive director said could fund three major art projects. But it didn't get that money. So then the question is, well, you know, is this just going to be another master plan that kind of languishes in Frederick because there's not a lot of funding behind it? Um, So I'd say that there's kind of a lack of institutional support. And then there's also this lingering question of why Frederick doesn't have some of the things it doesn't have. Like you walk downtown and why doesn't Frederick have, you know, a designated music venue? Why doesn't it have an independent theater? Things that sort of add to the sense of vibrancy and are sort of gathering spaces for a lot of the artistic community to go. So I touched on that and sort of compared it to other towns that are doing um, a lot more with their arts currently. One surprising example is Hagerstown, which I think of a lot. Of, I think a lot of people think of Hagerstown as like this decrepit old industrial town to Frederick's North. But right now the city is actually committing a lot to the arts. And you can tell that the way they're trying to rebuild is by fostering that sort of community where artists can both live and work. Um, And then the other comparison was Asheville, North Carolina, which is sort of, I'd say it's equivalent size to Frederick. Um, There are a lot of similarities when you read into both cities, but Asheville, of course, is just known for its music venue and known for its independent theater and known for being, you know, this like hipster Portland of the East Coast. And so what did they do to get there? I can't say that I went to any of their music venues or their arts scene, but I did love Asheville when I visited. Yeah, it's really beautiful. And I mean, it's obviously, I would say that it's equivalent to Frederick too, because it has the whole like outdoor recreation element, which we very much have here as well. Perfect. Um, And now I know we don't really talk about this too often, but Tell us a little bit about what went into reporting that series. It was basically just talking to lots and lots and lots of people. Um, you know, for the last part of the series, it was a lot of boring reporting stuff, like pouring over, you know, county budgets and reading like the, you know, the master plan for all these different communities to kind of see points of comparison and, and points of um, non-similarities. And I mean, for this for this particular project, I'd say it was a lot of, you know, sort of bootstraps reporting like that, where it's not particularly glamorous or sexy to go pouring into Frederick's like zoning ordinances to see why you know music venues why we can't have a certified music venue downtown but I mean I think it was helpful to know for the story perfect and since you have had a couple days since the last one came out and two weeks since the other ones have you gotten any response so far um, I, you know, I do think that I think that the the one that probably got the most response um, from my end was the first part of my series, which focused on the local music scene. Um, I think that a menu, a venue that is, is kind of a big ticket item that it becomes really easy to focus on. Like if you're a, a musician or you love music, if you move to a place where you're not able to play or you're not able to see your favorite bands perform, then it becomes, you know, a real game. Gap and you sort of sort of want so you start to wonder why that is um, and there's also I mean the local the frustrations on the part of local musicians have stemmed back for years and so I think it was kind of an opportunity to finally for them to finally see that unveiled in print. Great. Well, anything else that we should look forward to coming up? Um, yes. I I mean, I since I am going to be out of the country for the last half of June, I will take a minute to plug our June 20th issue, which is going to be our Pride issue. Um, it's sort of, it's it comes out the Thursday before the Pride Festival, you know, which is, I think, is a really important part of Frederick and one that we always cover. But we wanted this issue to completely, you know, um, I mean, you, you can never do anything completely comprehensively but to really give a look at um, the LGBTQ community in Frederick and highlight what they're doing so I'm excited for that. 
Great. Well, people can definitely make sure to check that out. Um, and now with the redesign, I know that there's a new website. Yes, there is a new website. We're still a little bit hidden on the web page, but <laughs> we have a, a fully new design, newly designed web- website. So if you go to calendar and events and look under that section on the homepage, you'll find 72 hours and our new website is a lot sleeker and easy to navigate. Perfect. Well, of course, you can always pick up 72 hours in our Thursday edition or check out projectnewspost.com. Kate, thank you so much. Thank you, Heather. Frederick Uncut is produced by me, Heather Mangilio, Katrina Pereira, and Graham Cullen, and edited by Graham Cullen. We'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.